0: Hey there, I'm Judy Croon, Canada's keynote humorist. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper. Shelf Help with a Smile. It's Monday, which means it's time for just another Mindful Monday. Today, I'm on the phone with Todd Kaufman. Todd is an anxiety expert. He is the author of the book Transforming Anxiety from Hot Mess to Superpower. I love that title. He's a registered psychotherapist and executive psychotherapeutic coach. Todd's the founder of the Anxiety Release Protocol, otherwise known as ARP. It's a program that can show you how to end panic attacks and manage your anxiety. The Anxiety Release Protocol is taught to doctors and therapists across North America and is the practical go-to for people struggling with anxiety. Todd provides both one on one and group therapy and coaching virtually and he and his therapy dog Gracie T bear are really missing their public engagements and in person training during COVID uh, Todd joins us today from his office at the campus of the University of Toronto Todd thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Judy. And I honestly know the real reason you had me on here was you were hoping to get a peek at Gracie.
0: I was. I was. Can I see her? Is she uh, is she there?
1: I'm afraid we can't bring her up. She's uh, downstairs sleeping since it's been Mm. quite fascinating. Um, She, like the rest of us, behavior has really changed during retirement. Mm. Uh, She was trained to um, spend time with people struggling with anxiety and to calm them down. So each morning we would go off to the office up at the University of Toronto every day and she'd get all sorts of belly rubs and be fun and amusing. But... um, Now she's just stuck with dad and she's turned into (laughs) one of those curmungity old ladies who just doesn't do anything unless she's in the mood.
0: Oh boy. Well, you tell Gracie, you know what? She has done her job. That's pretty well what she's saying to you. So she's now chilling out and uh, she's, she has retired. Um, Todd, thanks again. I mean, the last time we met, which is why I wanted to have you on the uh, on the podcast because I know how important humor is to you. Bringing that to your uh, coaching, I know for uh, for for fun, you took uh, the the stand up course that I was teaching at Second City a number of years ago, and um, I I didn't know at the time that you were an anxiety coach and i can only imagine when you have a title like transforming anxiety from hot mess to superpower that you use humor when you're uh, when you can with your clients so i guess i have to ask you how how does humor come into play with your clients
1: well really an interesting question because the protocol itself arp is fairly complex but it's designed to be really palatable and be easily up taken by people who think differently. And I mean, we're all wired differently. Mm -hmm. And But the one thing that we have in common is that humor makes a chemical change in our brain. And it's. we just spoke about Gracie. There has been some research, actually, when you look into your dog's eyes, that the same chemical that's released when you're falling in love or looking at someone you're in love is released when you look into your puppy's eyes. But the fact of the matter is our brains are really a, a network of electrical connections which are facilitated and created um, and caused by chemicals and there's endorphins and and um, we've all heard about serotonin and um, cortisol and adrenaline and all these different chemicals but thoughts create the release of certain chemicals and certain chemicals create the release of certain thoughts. And so you we all know that wonderful feeling when we get a good belly laugh or a good giggle. And when you're in the midst of that, it's really difficult to feel depression or to feel anxiety. So there's a really practical thing that we do. One of the things in ARP we encourage people to do is to create a funny file. So to grab your your, your smartphone or whatever digital device you may be carrying and set aside a file, perhaps in in, in one of the many apps like Evernote or whatnot, where you can put in uh, various digital pieces, whether it's memes or written jokes or videos and build that file all that stuff you know that makes you crack up remember you and i are old enough to remember one of the first huge hilarious little meme videos on the internet the dancing baby
0: of course
1: yeah the right. dancing baby and so to collect those as you go so that mm-hmm. you've actually got a go to so when you're um you're starting to feel a little blue, or, or you uh, know that you're going to be approaching uh, an event or a conversation that's going to be a little bit tough. Take a second out and give yourself a good giggle. You're actually releasing these chemicals that are going to make you feel better. So it allows you to, to um, provide a little bit of strength and, and moving into to more difficult conversations. So, yeah, your laugh file, great fun.
0: Excellent, excellent idea. And you know what? Sometimes, too, uh, sometimes the darker the situation is, you know, people gravitate towards that that dark humor. You almost laugh more. I'm not saying that everything is funny, but it is a real coping mechanism, and it's sort of that, that laughter crying that you can border on uh, sometimes when um, when you're you're in that dark place. You know, I've I've chatted with. Parents at Sick Kids Hospital who, you know, would have a child that was going through um, chemotherapy, and they said, "You know what, Judy? We never thought we were funny people, but when, uh, you know, our, luckily our our son is in remission now, but we look back on those times, and it's really it's really that dark humor that got us through those moments. And we're not dark humor people, but that's where our minds went, and we decided to go with it because it helped us."
1: It's a lifeboat of sorts. And we mm-hmm. you know, often clamber into that lifeboat because in the the only other option, which is to move into a depth of despair that might be difficult uh, or impossible to get out of, the lifeboat can be humor. The that, as you say, that dark humor where you just throw it all off and you you know, you have a a good chortle over the difficulty of the situation but it truly is a lifeboat to prevent you from sliding into something that's a lot more difficult to manage
0: for sure it keeps you out of the grip and it keeps you moving forward right um but now you do deal with clients first of all before we were on air you have you said uh that you also deal with kids so you're dealing with kids and adults is that correct
1: I'm not actually trained or specialized uh, with a lot of kids, but I, um, so within my practice as a psychotherapist, um, and certainly executive coaching um, um, doesn't fall into that category. However, I have on occasion taken in a few adolescents as patients. Mm -hmm. I always look to see what level of self-awareness and self-reflection they have. Um, and it's remarkable um, how many um, adolescents i run into who are profoundly insightful. I'm not quite sure where that comes from. I can tell you in my adolescent years, insight or wisdom was not something that was accessible to me, but um, for those <laughs> folks I Right, right. But, you know, invariably, uh, you know, I used to work a lot um, in hospitals and, you um, I, in those chemotherapy wards, as you know, I went through cancer myself, so I had mm-hmm. a chance to meet a lot of the kids that were coming through those wards, and so that was also definitely a key component to how we'd engage those kids.
0: Um you yeah you went through a a really big battle with cancer yourself I'm so glad to see that you're you're doing well did your training that you would have used with your clients did that actually come into play did humor come into play with just sort of keeping you on track and keeping you out of the grip
1: um humor did for sure Mm. I would say understanding um you know, understanding neuroplasticity, how the brain works, um, how I've helped lift people out of depression and certainly gear people, or, um, reframe anxiety for people. That was really, really helpful. Um, and, you know, I have a, a, a history of years of a meditation and prayer practice and um I, I don't want to drag you too far into the story, but it was a friend of mine um, who was a, a surgeon who specialized in had a neck surgery and neck lumps that diagnosed me. Mm. And um, I'll never forget the day he diagnosed me. He asked me to come into his office because he had felt my neck that night before we had been at dinner at the keg and he said come on in mm-hmm. he did all these examinations i remember him turning around judy he put his hand on my shoulders left hand on my right shoulder he leaned over looking at my eyes and he said todd he said any other doctor is going to wait for pathology reports back but i've been doing this all my life and i know that you've got throat cancer um, mm. you've got got actually tonsil cancer and it's likely from HPV." So Mm. public service shout out announcement, folks, boys and girls, um, particularly gay men out there uh, and teenage girls, do get your Gardasil 9 vaccine. Had I had that, I would not have gone through this horrible cancer journey. But it was interesting in reflection the next day Mm -hmm. um, when I was thinking about that very moment, I realized that the first thought in my mind um, when my friend told me this was, whoa, this is big. Something amazing is going to come out of this. Now, I'll be honest with you, the second thought, Judy was, holy crap, cancer, are you serious? Of course. But I was incredibly impressed with how I had trained my mind to move to gratitude, to always move Mm. into that place and I've done that with, you know, one of the, the, the techniques in ARP is something called gratitude therapy, where you buy yourself a blank line book, you put it on your night table with a pen, first thing in the morning when you wake up, you list five things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And you never repeat that. So you build this book of gratitude. And at night, you read it out to yourself, your universe, uh, your partner, so your book ending. But what's fascinating about it, and here's where the science comes in, which is a lot of fun, what's fascinating about that is your brain burns more energy than any organ in your body, which means it's kind of like an adolescent. It is always looking for the quickest and the easiest way out. So if you are going to tax it first thing in the morning, pre-coffee, maybe even pre-bladder, to come up with five new things of gratitude, very quickly your brain goes you know what i'm just gonna lay down this line of code in your subconscious i'm gonna collect gratitude during the day so that this joker that's making me work so hard tomorrow i'm not gonna have to work hard Hmm. but what that is another way of putting that is to say you are intuitively becoming the kind of person that notices gratitude Hmm. and if you notice something you're grateful for when you're in a place of gratitude it's hard to feel depressed or anxious
0: So humor and gratitude, you know, what you said there about the gratitude list, um, a a twist on that gratitude list is very good. What you said, you write down five things, but you can't repeat what those five things are.
1: Yeah. And that Mm. so that because the the whole idea is to make the brain work hard so the brain finds the shortcut and the shortcut is just turning you into a person of gratitude.
0: Right, Right. Right.
1: Now, I'll, g- I'll give you a freebie. I you know I have lined up on my bookcase dozens of these little books. I can go back to December 23rd of 1989 and tell you what I was grateful for. Um, so I'm sure there's things that have been repeated over the years. Mm-hmm, but sure. um, oh, I, I was chuffed with myself one day when I got to number four and I couldn't I was suffering to find number five that morning (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna do it and my number five so here's your freebie Judy should you want to pick up uh, a gratitude habit Number, number four was I'm grateful I've only got one more thing to put on this list.
0: <laughs> Good one. Wow. So you've been saving all these books since 1989, your gratitude journals from 1989.
1: I think I just lied to you. I'm so sorry. I would say they probably go back to, I'd have to take a look. Um, they're those little moleskin books. They all look the same. Oh. And I think they go back to probably the mid 90s.
0: Wow. Wow, that's incredible. That's Okay, so we've got the gratitude list. I've got to ask you as a as a as a comedian right? Because you took the course, so you're a comedian.
1: Oh, Uh, you you know, we got to do that again. I feel like I I bombed out on our final uh, workshop there. I was not impressed.
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There There is no bombing. Remember what my motto is. I leave no comic behind. But I tell you something, when COVID is over, we are going to do a fundraiser down the road, okay? So or we may do something virtually, whatever. But the point is, Uh, we touched on the gratitude, but let's go back to the humor for a second, because as a comedian, I have to ask you what's, what's on your funny file. What's, what's the meme or who's the comic, who's your go-to comic to, 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 to bring you out of a funk.
1: Um, most of it's all really, really short stuff. I, um, because I, you know, I use it like a flash in the pan when I, you know, I'm, um, being somebody that's worked. Um, very very hard on being able to witness my thoughts and even notice when a thought that's negative is arising even before I know its content one of my quick go-tos is to open this so um, when I was very active on Facebook and in social media which I now only do for the business I found it's been a pretty unhealthy um, addictive thing Um, but I used to pull a lot from there (laughs)
0: Um,
1: and so there's I've got I've got hundreds if not thousands of memes in there
0: excellent excellent I gotta tell you my go-to the specific bit I can think of I never get tired of watching it I've got two things that I actually watch um Jerry Seinfeld's airport bit uh makes me laugh every single time going through security (laughs) going through security you can pull that up you can laugh like you know it's just so I, I look at it as a as a comic it's probably one of the best bits I've ever seen uh, uh the most well-written bit I've ever seen one of the most really? well-written bits okay I'm but on it. um so there's that but then another one is just uh a, a a, you know, a friend who left her car in neutral, which isn't funny, but then the car started rolling and then another friend jumped, jumped in to help. They went flying. Both people were totally fine, but it was like crying, laughing. It was like, you just need to put some Benny Hill music underneath it. It was just hilarious. And in those moments where you're feeling like what you're right, you have to have a funny file. You have to have a go-to. Um, I remember Uh, My sister saying when uh, when they had to put their dog down, sadly, a couple of months ago, uh, she came home with uh, with her husband and her son, and they kind of all went off to different rooms of the house. And one person was watching, you know, Parks and Rec. The other one was watching Shit's Creek. The other one was watching something funny. But humor was the go to. But they all had to have their own their own shows, you know,
1: brand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it's so important. Listen, I, I wanted to ask you, so what has it been like with COVID? Uh, I, let me remind folks, by the way, I'm on the phone with Todd Kaufman. Todd is an anxiety expert. He is the author of the book, transforming anxiety from hot mess to superpower. Todd is a registered psychotherapist and executive psychotherapeutic coach. Um, by the way, Todd, please give folks uh, uh, either the website or and or the website an email where they can reach you. Let's just make sure we get that info out there.
1: Sure. Um, it's best to get hold of you through the website. And the website is TheAnxiety.Clinic. So not .com, but TheAnxiety.Clinic. So dot clinic. Wait a minute, I did that wrong, didn't I? Here, let me try this again. <laughs> Judy. So the website is simply the anxiety.clinic. So www.theanxiety.clinic, Not com, but dot clinic.
0: Got it. Okay. So the anxiety dot clinic, that's easy, Bingo. easy. Okay. So, and you know what you, um, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about COVID. So what is the impact? What has the, what have the numbers been like in terms of clients needing to see you has, has a doubled, tripled, dropped off? What, what's it like?
1: Well, it's interesting because there's uh, interesting in that there's been a a real increase in people's anxiety and depression levels because particularly here in Toronto, we have just been locked in our homes. I was assisting at one of the clinics for geriatric um, um, inoculations the other day and it wasn't as busy as we had hoped it to be, but this was for the over 80 crowd. And some of the people that I spoke to had to literally not Walked out of their home in over a year and coming oh. to the station for the first time. And their loved ones were bringing them food and whatnot. But it was interesting. They're almost looking around with the awe of a child. Mm. And so it's been really, really difficult for a lot of people. And when, uh, you know, god bless them but the parents that now have their children at home um they're trying to run a business from one bedroom and have meetings with their ceo and in the meantime there's three kids you know taking up internet band space while they're trying to learn to go to school and there's a certain you know below a certain age you can't just put them on that computer to go to school that you need to be there for them so all of the traditional things that can be challenging and stressful managing your work life managing your your personal relationship managing the parenting process um which kind of underlines stress um, and then all locked in a little room so that really points out that particularly those people on the margins of our society have really really been suffering and um you know, when you're, you know, you got three kids in a one or two bedroom apartment, um, the statistics are showing that people, um, LGBTQ folks are, are having a lot higher levels of stress and depression mm. in the US, um, particularly in the Southern States, there's been a real upswing in um, infanticide parents just can't yeah and we've even seen in canadian hospitals Mm -hmm. there's been a real increase in um um, head trauma from shaken baby syndrome wow so people aren't dealing with this well Mm -hmm. and unfortunately our government has never really treated mental health with the same care and respect or funding as they do physical health. There's been a lot of lip service to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, even to this day, um, you have to pay me privately. You mm-hmm. might be lucky enough to have an uh, insurance company through your employer. But again, that's you know, that is not on the margins of our society. These folks don't have benefits. Um, And just to kind of um, add toughness to the pudding, Ontario um, still charges HST on Mm. psychotherapy. Mm. So it's difficult to access and our, our social service accesses are really, really slim and totally overburdened. So it's been difficult.
0: And the brutal part is, if we put the funding, more funding into mental wellness, we wouldn't. You know, there are certainly cases that become physical problems, i.e., the injuries you've described, that wouldn't be there. We wouldn't have to put all that money into uh, into hospital bills because we were able to cut these people off at the cut them off at the pass, you know, and and and. So, start to solve, give a give a, a, a pressure relief to um, the anxiety, the anger, the depression that was building up. So, uh, it's so well, much.
1: It's interesting, because, um, you know, for your, your uh, more academically oriented folks out there, There's a book called um, The Body Keeps Score by um, Dr. Bessel van van der Kolk, um, who talks about how anxiety and stress resides in the body. And I could pull out of my files at least half a dozen cases in the last few years where doctors, GPs have referred their patients to me for anxiety. And they have concurrent symptoms that seemingly are undiagnosable, dermatological, Um, And, you know, the dermatologist can't figure out what's causing this, or the GI guy is kind of like, I'm not sure. We've adjusted your food. We're giving you um, medication. Yet when we get them to learn how to, to work with their anxiety suddenly all these physical symptoms disappear. So you're on the money. There's people, I used to work in San Francisco General Hospital in the emergency room and a severe panic attack, for those of you out there that have had them, know it can actually feel like a heart attack. And it's not uncommon to wind up in the ER and um you know the docs descend upon you they rip your shirt open nurses are putting tubes in you this is not something to help you calm you down but they very quickly assessed that it's not a cardiac event a cardiac event and they pick them up and hand them off to Todd and mm-hmm. um and they were still feeling these high levels of of adrenaline and cortisol in their system that made it feel like it was difficult to breathe. Their heart was pounding out of their chest. They're all getting ready to, uh, you know, fight or flight. Wow. And this is actually where you can hear Gracie in the background. I think we are getting post delivered today. So that's good news. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where the title of the book, I'm Transforming Anxiety from Hot Mess to Superpower came mm-hmm. because the thing that I found over the years Um, and I first noticed this among parents, which was fascinating, was once you're able to get this system regulated, this fight, flight, or freeze system regulated, because anxiety is just a dysregulation. You've just got too many of these hormones rushing through your body. Once you're able to get it regulated, they are really noticing um, an increase in their intuition, that sense of I know my kid's in trouble and there's no empirical data Um, for my senior level executives. Many of them, you know, reach the C-suite because of their intuitive capacity to make good calls. You know, I don't know why we should shift the market this way. I don't know why I need to make this personnel change. I can't really give you the data, Mm -hmm. but I know it's the right thing to do and they nail it and they knock it out of the park repeatedly. And it's their intuition. And they find that gets a lot better. So, so you're angry. Go so sorry.
0: So give us you know, now now you've got me uh, very curious. Give us a takeaway from uh, from your book, uh, how to how to stop that, that that surge of, of stress hormones. What can people do? Because I'm sure everyone out there is thinking, hey, I'd like to tap into my intuition. I'd like to shut that part of my brain off. So can you give us a takeaway?
1: Well, the, the first piece is to say you don't want to shut it off because this is what saves your life and this is what feeds your intuition. You just want to get the little guy on union hours so he's working when he should be working <laughs> and not overworking. So the, the biggest takeaway is this. You need to stop fighting this system, which is your intuitive response, because you don't want to feel this way and you'll do anything to end this. And, you know, you'll take drugs or you'll, you'll do your meditation exercise, but you're, you're trying to fight it off, but it's your fight flight system. And it's very primal. And because it's primal, all it senses is, wow, we're fighting. You may be fighting it, but we're fighting. So those hormones are released again. So part of what we try and do is anthropomorph- Well. Let me let me put this a better way. We try and characterize our amygdala. like to call mine Homer after Homer Simpson. Judy, do you remember what Homer Simpson does for a living?
0: He works at a uh, sort of works at a nuclear plant.
1: <laughs> yeah, nuclear plant probably not a job he should be doing. And this right, is kind correct. of correct, right? And so Homer's sitting in 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 your amygdala right now. Your your fight flight freeze center. And all he's doing is scanning for danger. And it's just really easy for him to hit, you know, the levers for adrenaline and cortisol that give you all these symptoms. So if you can broker a relationship with that guy, if you can stop fighting it and get him to work the way he wants to work, you're going to find your intuition increases. So your biggest takeaway is never fight your anxiety. Learn to befriend it. I don't care if you have to name it and call it. We're in downtown Toronto. You can talk out loud to it on the subway. Nobody's even going to notice. And I'll give you the magical incantation if you want to do just that. Um, So here's what I say. and I've memorized this because I used to suffer from high levels of anxiety decades ago. Uh, And this is so ingrained in my brain that the moment I feel adrenaline, um, my moment, my subconscious notices adrenaline arising. My brain instantly goes, Homer, you want my attention? Whoa, you got it. You want to keep me safe? I'm here to help. I am going to help. And when I do that, Homer goes, Oh, okay. That's why I was releasing those chemicals. I was afraid there was danger out there. And, you know, you butthead were missing it. So I needed to get your attention. And so when you do that, right, it, there's for many people, that alone can be a profound shift. And, you know, use a character that you love, that brings you joy, that brings you um, humor. I mean, Homer Simpson always makes me laugh. He's just a affable, lovable kind of- course. Of course. Right, so even, you know, the moment I'm going, you know, Homer, you want my attention, you've got it. Homer, you want to keep me safe, I'm going to help. I mean, I'm already talking about one of my favorite cartoon characters and I'm giving a very prime part of my brain exactly what it wants
0: nice so he's so, able to like back off yeah right as opposed to fighting as opposed to go away go away i don't want to feel this way you say okay okay homer i know you're there what do you want us to do you've got my attention what do you want me to do
1: and when he's not overworking he's increasing your intuition so what he might want you to do is run into the backyard and check that kid because somehow he got it and you did it years ago i was um as you know, I used to be a ship captain, uh, yacht captain. I was in uh, Viareggio, England. or Villaregio, I didn't know Italy. that. Oh, oh did I you forgot. not know that? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, and we were docked in Viareggio, Italy. And the capitanary, the guy who was charged the port said, just be careful out there in the evening. Make sure you don't show your cell phone. And there's roaming groups of Bandits that will like knock you over for your cell phone. And I was coming back. And if you've ever been to Italy, um, Judy, you know that there's sort of the the piazza, the the central courtyard, and then all these little winding streets that come into it. Mm -hmm. And I was coming home after a lovely, lovely dinner. And I was walking out of the courtyard before I even stepped into the courtyard. All of a sudden, for the first time in decades, I got kicked in the chest with my anxiety. Mm. So that's where it would hit me first. It feels like mm. a donkey's kicking me. And I was shocked. I hadn't felt this feeling in decades. And my brain instantly went, Homer, you want my attention, you and that's as far as I got because okay. I stepped into the courtyard. And I saw four guys coming at me. Oh. Yeah. So I grabbed my telephone, I threw it or my cell phone, and I threw it in their direction, yelled telephono, and I don't even think my feet hit the cobblestones all the way back to the yacht. <laughs> yeah. But when I got back there, I locked the door. And you know, the first thing that I did, I turned to my, I turned to Homer. I went, dude, oh my God, well done. That's what you're there for. And I have no idea oh. how, you know, my amygdala, how Homer knew this impending no. danger. You know, maybe subconsciously he heard them, saw mm-hmm. them before I did. but. That's a really good example of how your intuition just increases. So there's a lot of reasons to get this under control, not to mention the fact that, you know what? Don't let life do you, you gotta do life.
0: Well said. And a great story. Whenever we can use Homer Simpl- uh, Simpson as an example, <laughs> Homer simple is kind of <laughs> true too. As long as we can use Homer Simpson as an example, I think we've done our job. The book is called Transforming Anxiety from Hot Mess to Superpower. I'm sure you're wondering, how can you use Homer Simpson to help you or whoever is your Homer Simpson? Uh, check out the book. You want to find out more about it. You can, or you want to find out more about Todd. You'd like to talk to Todd. He is an anxiety expert. Uh, you can find him at the anxiety dot clinic, the the anxiety dot clinic. You can also reach out to me at judycroon.com if you, uh, if you need more information, uh, Todd, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. Um, and please give Gracie a pat for me and please stay healthy.
1: I will. And um, we have a beautiful, glorious day here in Toronto. So get out and get a little bit of sunshine and convert some vitamin D so we can release these awesome chemicals in our brain and get happy.